Our scripture today is from Psalm 103. You can look that up on your phone or in the Bible there on the pew. And as you're looking that up, I'd like to... Oh, it's on your paper. You don't have to look it up. Well, I don't have anything else to say then. I was going to say, while you're looking that up, look at your Connect card too. Um, if If you're a guest with us, we'd like you to fill this out. But we can just jump right into reading. All right. This is Psalm 103. It's a Psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit? Who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion? Who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle? The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the son of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is removed from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word. Obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. We are in this uh, second part of a two-part series on Psalm 103, and it's been a couple weeks since the first part, uh, because last week uh, we were gone and and, uh, the missionaries, the Todds, were here uh, with you, and I heard good reports about that, and not only good reports about them, but they gave a good report about y'all, too, and so that's always nice, and, uh, you know, they unsolicited just told me that, uh, look, they go to churches all the time. Uh, in, in an effort to let people know uh, what's going on in Brazil and to raise funds and that kind of thing. And 
they said this is the friendliest church they've been to and I you know you hope that a missionary doesn't lie to you to your face so we're just going to take them at their word and and I just want to say thank you to you for your kindness shown to the guests that come through our door whether it's a, a guest speaker or uh, you know someone off the street or uh, a guest from our neighborhood or from the community we just uh, we thank you for being a welcoming and warm church. Today we're diving back into the second part. On The first time we looked at this psalm, we looked at most of it. And most of it talks about God and the reasons we should bless Him. And so we uh, even shared, many of you came down and spoke at a microphone down here at the front about, you know, I bless the Lord because, and you filled in the blank and uh, it was a powerful day of testimony and of remembering who it is that we serve and, and why we should bless him back when he's blessed us so much. And this week we're going to look at the small part of this psalm that talks about us instead of God and what we're like. I wanted to mention also that uh, next week we're going to launch into a, a new series called Take Heart. I thought about calling it Pain and Suffering. But I decided it would be more of a positive take to say, take heart. Uh, so we're going with that. But it's a series about taking heart in the midst of pain and suffering. And the title is taken from when Jesus said, uh, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And so we're going to look into that over the next few weeks. So you have that to look forward to. I mean, really, if I would have called it pain and suffering, no one would have shown up next week. But because we called it Take Heart, we're going to have a great crowd. So, we're excited about that. Uh, have you, so maybe sometimes you rent a car. I was just contemplating renting a car. I'm always scared when I rent a car because, especially if I'm about to go out of town versus around town, because you never know what they're going to give you. And, and sometimes, and I don't know if, you know, it seems especially true maybe at the West Monroe location of rental car places, you just don't know. Uh, the, you might reserve a full-size car and they might give you a compact. Uh, or they might upgrade you to a giant SUV or whatever. Uh, one time, actually before we moved here, I went to rent a car and had reserved a kind of smaller, high mile per gallon car. And when I got there, the guy said, oh, we're out of that car, so we upgraded you to this nice SUV. And it was a nice SUV, but frankly, I didn't need an SUV for me. You know, like I've just, it's a long drive on the highway and it felt kind of like a downgrade because it probably got like half the miles per gallon that I was planning on getting with this car that they upgraded me to. So sometimes you can get an upgrade that ends up feeling like a downgrade, right? Well, today I want to do the opposite to you. I'm going to give you something that sounds like a downgrade, but is actually an upgrade. That feels maybe like a downgrade, at least in the wisdom of our world, but is actually an upgrade in perspective on your life, on humankind, what life is about, where we find meaning, all that. It's a significant issue in our world today. And society preaches that you should live a life of great significance. 
This is popular wisdom, right? You should make a splash. You should make a difference. You should change the world. This is especially, I think, true for our younger generations. Uh, feel this pressure to live a life that matters, that uh, is full of meaning, not just to God, not just in God's eyes, not just even in their eyes, or not just even in their family's eyes, but because that would be enough pressure, right? But in the world's eyes, to make a difference, to make a splash that's noticed, that will last. Uh, you see this happening all the time. Maybe reality TV has made us believe that anyone, right? Anyone can make a splash. Anyone can become great and successful. Uh, YouTube sensations, Instagram celebrities, right? Bloggers that you know become famous and influential and. Of course, there's always politicians, and there's lots of different avenues in our day where you're expected to make a splash, make a difference. I think it puts a lot of pressure on us as humans to try and be something more than human, to be something superhuman, to have superhuman impact. We all want to be kings. We all want to be great. At the very least, in the lives of those around us, in our circle of influence, we want to rise high. We want to make a splash. We want to make a difference. We want to do something that lasts. And you would think that this positive message, as it you know, is leveled onto, especially our younger generations, would have this positive effect of increased self-esteem and, and confidence. And yet, so many times what we read in the news is what Marie's son is dealing with. Depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. We know this is on the rise. You can just watch the news and they'll tell you. You can just talk to your kids that are in middle school and high school about what's going on in their schools and in their lives. But it's a problem at some level for all of us. And if you feel a little bit down on life these days, then I pray that today's scripture will upgrade your perspective. Remember, it may feel like a downgrade at first. <clears throat> but I believe that it's an upgrade. Psalm 103. Last week we said we ought to bless him back. This week, we have this small little section, small little part in there that uh, talks about something different. <clears throat> it's on the back of your little handout. It starts at verse 14. It's part of this poem, this song. The song is broken into stanzas, we might call them. Just like a poem would be. This is a Hebrew poem that's been translated to English for us. A psalm of David in the book of Psalms, the collection of old Hebrew um, poems and all that Jesus often referenced in his life and ministry. Um, they predate Jesus. Okay. Verse 14. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. Of course he's mindful that we are but dust. 
After all, he formed us from the dust. It's what the way Genesis describes when God created humankind. He formed them out of the dust that he had created and breathed life into them. It was a special and intimate act of creation reserved for humankind. And yet, of course, he is mindful, perhaps more than we are, that we are dust. We somehow forget that sometimes, and yet we know that when we die, we return to dust. Feels like a downgrade perspective, doesn't it? <laughs> Anyone feeling encouraged yet? Verse 15, as for man, it gets better. <clears throat> His days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more. And its place acknowledges it no longer. <laughs> Life is short. Think about being called a blade of grass. One of billions. Which is what you and I are. Seven billion, seven and a half billion, whatever it is, <laughs> running total these days, people in this world. You and I, we are ones of those blades of grass that have sprouted now, but will soon wither and fade, and our place will be remembered no longer in just a few short years as new blades of grass pop up. This is an interesting perspective to gain. It's not one that's popular these days. You don't see any of the uh, self-help and self-esteem and positive thinking gurus talking about your place as like a grass, <laughs> like a blade of grass. All right, picture yourself as a blade of grass. You spring up quickly, but how quickly you wither away and die. <laughs> you know, Zig Ziglar probably never uh, harped on that one. I don't know. But here it is. I think it's important that we remember the context that this small paragraph fits into. A whole song, a whole poem about blessing the Lord and remembering why we bless the Lord and all the blessings that we receive from the Lord and the kind of God that He is and the fact that He is God and we are not. And in the midst of this song about blessing the Lord... We have this reminder in contrast to the nature of God, the nature of man. Of who we are is covered by and surrounded by and framed by who God is and the ways that He blesses us and takes care of us and is good to us. So it's not that we don't matter, that our lives don't matter. Clearly not the point. Otherwise, why would our God be so good to us and take such care for us? And yet, it's also true that we are from the dust and to the dust we return. That our lives are short. That your life and my life is one of many. And frankly, I find a sigh of relief in that some days. Take some pressure off. You feel pressure even in ministry. You know, you want to 
Be the best of the ministry people. Make a splash. Make a difference. Just like everyone in every career and in their families and and whatever their hobby is or whatever. Everyone wants to make a difference. Every church wants to make a difference. Every business wants to, uh, you know, make a splash, make a statement. Sometimes it's a relief just to remember, oh yeah, I'm not all that. I am the end of the day, human like everyone else, and we are not gods. Psalm 90, a few psalms back, a different song, says this prayer, Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. That there's wisdom that comes from remembering that your life is short and temporary There's wisdom that comes from this. Man is finite. But, let's keep reading. Verse 17, but, so in contrast to what we just said, the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. So man is finite. God is not. God is eternal. So wisdom would teach us then, wouldn't it? That if you really want to live a life that matters, that makes a difference, that you would invest that life in the thing that is eternal, in the one that is eternal. For then, your life, inserted into God's life, can be a part of something that goes on, that has a far-reaching impact. How else will you make such a splash, such an impact? I mean, sure, there's a few people that we remember from American history a few years back. We still talk about George Washington sometimes. Some people love him. Some people hate him. They paint over his murals. Makes the news every now and again. But in a few more years, people won't talk about him anymore. Just like they don't talk about other great leaders of the past anymore. There's very few, like a handful of people of ancient history that you, could, that you could name or that I could name. And even them, it's not like they've had a profound impact on your life, right? Other than maybe affecting your grade in history class. If you want to live a life that matters, there's a way to do it. I think this psalm, this part of this psalm, is almost saying that a short life can have a long impact. That it's, it's possible to do that. It's possible to live a life of significance, but perhaps not the way that we've been telling ourselves that that happens. I, I've got a feeling that a short life lived well can make a long impact, but it's probably not uh, going to be lived well by the standards of the world. What I'm saying is there's a, there's a kind of life that the world looks at 
and claps for and celebrates and says, that's success. Look at the impact they've made. Look at all the things they've accomplished and done and, you know, the way they've changed the world. And, and there's something, you know, that feels exciting. Even, even the church, where there's things that we look at with our human eyes and we say, wow, that's incredible. That makes a big difference. But I've got a feeling that if we take the wisdom of this psalm at face value, then the way that a short life has a long impact may be a little bit different than what the world sees as significant, as lasting. And this is worth considering. But first, let's just, uh, let's just take, for example, this bowl of water. You've been wondering what it's doing there. Um, there's no fish in it. There used to be fish in it. Uh, it died. His name was Bitabob Boudreaux Presto. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think this has to do, our life, a short life, whether it has a long impact, has to do with where you invest it, where you plant it, where you put it, right? Uh, whether you put it in something that is lasting, or whether you put it in something that's short. No matter how noble it sounds, if it's short-lived, then the impact will be short. So it made me think about this, like, uh, you know, if your life is, can you see this? It's like a tiny little rock. Tiniest little rock. Some of you should have brought your binoculars today and you didn't know it. I should have warned you. And if I drop it, say, like in a meadow or on this stage, it doesn't do much except probably clog up a vacuum cleaner. No, it wouldn't even do that. It's not even big enough for that. It would just rattle around and make a fun sound. If I, however, drop it in a bowl of water, you might even be able to see it from there, the difference that it makes. The ripple goes out, the ripple comes in. And if I had a room full, if you were all floating in water, and we dropped a little pebble in it, would it not reach out and have a long impact? That goes far beyond that short-lived moment where that life, that stone, whatever, was placed there. But it matters where you place it. Whether or not an impact happens that is long-reaching. And so in contrast in this psalm, we have that we are but dust, our life is short, we spring up, we wither away. But the loving kindness of the Lord is everlasting to everlasting and his righteousness and his faithfulness goes on to the children's children of those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. And this is an echo of an old, um, I guess, you, Moses um, moment where Moses talks about in Deuteronomy that um, the way this works with the Lord. And he had given Israel, the Israelites the commandments, right? The, and the rules by which they were to live. And then he warned them that their sins would impact future generations. But so would their faithfulness. But what was interesting 
about this. And I believe it would have been in great contrast to what people would have believed about gods in that day. Gods often were primarily the source of, you got on the bad side and calamity was brought. Possibly for a long time, for generations. Uh, if you got on their good side, maybe they'd leave you alone. But here came this news about a different sort of God. And yes, your sins might have an impact for three or four generations, Moses said. But God would bless your children's children for generations, thousand, a thousand generations is the way he described it. For a thousand generations. What I believe this psalm and what Moses was trying to say is that yes, when we blow it, it has an impact. But when we get it right and when we live a life for God and for His way and we stay faithful to Him, that has an even farther reaching impact. It goes on from generation to generation to the children's children to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. There's a kind of life that you can live that even though it's short, it can have a long impact. And I want to just look at for a moment what does this psalm say about this kind of life? The kind of person, the kind of life, the kind of placement of a pebble, right, that, that can have a far-reaching impact. What does that look like? How do you, you know, how can we wrap our lives and our brains around this today? So one thing that it says is that his loving kindness is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. On those who fear him. This is not like the, ah, kind of fear, but like a reverence, an awe, a respect, I had to explain this to Hadley for some reason the other day. I don't remember how it came up. And I was like, well, it's kind of like you fear me. <laughs> Which is true in a sense, but I said that to her while she was like snuggling with me on <laughs> my chair, you know. Not looking very scared at the moment. Um, but at the same time, there's a respect that they have because I'm bigger and stronger, right? Like, it's kind of like my friend Marcus. Um, I have a friend named Marcus that when I was in school, I, I just, he was huge. All he ate was Fruit Loops, and he was huge. He never worked out, but he was huge. He's just genetically awesome. <laughs> Pick up a refrigerator, throw it across the room. He was just like the Hulk. And, uh, you know, I wasn't scared of Marcus, but I had a healthy fear. <laughs> it, was, it was like, uh, you know, I want to make sure he's on my side. You know, he's the kind of guy you want on your team. And that's kind of how God is. He's God. You want him on your side. <laughs> you want to be on his side. Right? There's a, yes, he loves you. He created you. He made you. And yet he's awesome in a way that our minds can't begin to comprehend. And so there's a kind of fear that goes along with that. But not everyone has that fear. Not everyone lives with that fear. It takes a certain level of humility to live with that fear. The kind of humility that comes perhaps in part by realizing that we are dust. We're just a blade of grass, here today, gone tomorrow. But there is something, there is someone so much greater than that. Not everyone is willing to acknowledge that 
Some of us want to be our own gods. It takes humility. So it starts with that, a fear of the Lord. And maybe for you today, that's where you're at. It's the starting point. You can't get anywhere else in a life that has a long impact until you recognize first who you are and who He is. And put that in proper perspective. And the other thing that it says is that His righteousness, His faithfulness goes to the children's children for a certain kind of person. Verse 18 says, To those who keep His covenant and remember His precepts to do them. Now, God had a covenant relationship with Israel. This was written, again, before Jesus. And so the covenant relationship, the agreement in this relationship between God and Israel was that God would give them certain things and agree to do certain things. And in return, they would do certain things as well. And so they had commands that they were supposed to follow. They were supposed to remember this agreement with God and be faithful to it just as God was faithful to it. But of course we know that that didn't pan out on their end. That God held up his end and they didn't hold up their end. But for those that did, for those that kept his covenant, for those who would remember his precepts to do them, he promised a far-reaching impact of that, of that decision to be faithful. I mean, one example of a guy who, by all means, wasn't perfect, but whose heart seemed to be quick to get right with God was David, who wrote this psalm, right? When he did mess up, he was quick to repent and own it in a sincere way. He seemed to have something about his heart, a, a humility even, that... God loved, and he blessed. You want to talk about from generation to generation? It's quite a few generations from David to Jesus. But it's a, an example, a model, a, a, an illustration of God's faithfulness to those who would keep his covenant, who would remember his precepts to do them. Of course, we have a, a new covenant that we live under, that Jesus wrote and established with his blood. A new covenant. Comes with, in a way, a new command, or a, perhaps a renewed command. This is my command, he said, that you love one another as I have loved you. He said all the old commands could be summed up with just love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Love. And it's also a new command because instead of having to live this out of our own strength of somehow you know, will, willing this love to appear within us, we can rely on His Holy Spirit's power. To work with our effort and bring forth fruit. This was the nature of his new covenant. But listen again to what it says. The loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to the children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. 
Maybe you need to start at the beginning and fear the Lord. Maybe you need to enter into a covenant relationship with Jesus. Maybe you need to remember. Funny thing about doing things, you have to remember them first. I keep so many lists nowadays. I'm worried about my brain already. <laughs> if I don't remember it, it's probably not going to happen. Same probably goes for you. Going back to Moses again, he keeps coming up. He's kind of echoed in this psalm. He said that he taught Israel to write these commands down and put them on their body. Not only to put them on their body, but to memorize them. Remember them. So they could teach future generations. You know, they didn't have phones back then. I don't know if you knew that. They, they couldn't Google it. They couldn't pull it up. They didn't have an app for that. Not only that, they didn't have a book for that. There was no printing press. Someone had a scroll, and the scroll was read. But sometimes what they could do is they could write a little bit of it and put it in a little box to keep it safe, because you want to keep it safe, and they could tie it to their body as a constant reminder. Can you imagine how precious that would be to have a few words of Scripture? It's all you could have. But they had lots of scripture memorized. They had lots of it remembered that they could call to mind at any moment. It's part of their training. I used to think uh, that, that was all kind of pointless. Memorizing stuff. Especially nowadays when we do have phones and apps for that, you know. It's hard to get motivated to memorize something. That's a lot of work. Our brains aren't used to it. They complain about it. We tell ourselves even that we can't memorize stuff. That's ridiculous. People have been memorizing things forever. <laughs> like as long as there have been people, they've been memorizing things. So I've got bad news for you. You can. You were made to memorize stuff. It's just we don't use that muscle. We don't exercise that muscle much because we can just, you know, Wikipedia or whatever. We don't have to remember it. We can write it down. Or someone else already wrote it down. We don't even have to write it down. So I thought, what's the point of memorizing something, right? And uh, then I realized that it's, it's, not, it's not the memorizing it to say you memorized it. It's not even just that you memorize it so that in a moment when you need it, it you can call it to mind. Because with my luck, even though I've got it memorized, I won't remember to remember it at the right time. When you memorize something, it allows you to think about it in a way that you cannot think about it when it's on paper. It allows you to carry it with you through your day. It allows you to kind of, like, you know, kind of let it marinate like a good steak, right? You just let it sit for a while and then, it, man, it tastes good. Everyone ready for lunch now? So that's kind of what memorizing does. 
And you kind of have to memorize something to remember it, to do it as you go through your life. And the more that you remember something, the more likely it is that you're going to do it. The more you think about it and understand it, the more likely it is that you're going to do it. I bet that all of you, already, most of you, can remember Jesus' one command. And I wonder if that's why he made it so simple. Love. Love God. Love your neighbor. Love one another as I have loved you. It's a particular kind of love. It's the Jesus kind of love. It's a different kind of love than what most of the world sells. So memorize that as a starter. New Testament calls that the royal law because it came down from our king. The royal law. So let's remember so that we can begin to do it. And if we'll fear the Lord and we'll stay faithful to this new covenant in Christ to remember his command and to do it by his help part of the new covenant we have the Holy Spirit's help and I believe it'll be like dropping that stone in that water that your life though short though insignificant in the eyes of the world it's okay we're not trying to impress the world you sow your seed where you're planted you do your part you do your job that God gave to you that may look insignificant in the eyes of the world. It may just be a blip on the map and then gone. But the far-reaching impact comes because of where you invested your life. Choose carefully where you invest your life. There are things that seem like they really matter a lot You can put a lot of pressure on yourself to make the right decisions and do the right things. To vote for the right person. All that stuff. It's not that it doesn't matter. It's just that it's not the things that have the longest impact. If you want to live a life that has a long impact, invest it in the one who is from everlasting to everlasting and who has the ability to visit your faithfulness On generations you will never meet this side of heaven. Because when you're long gone. And your children's children's children stand on the face of this earth. There's only one person left. Who is here now. And will be there with them. So if you want to have a long impact. Invest your life in him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your infinite wisdom. So that sometimes what sounds like a downgrade to us in perspective and really humbling and doesn't feel good at all to be reminded, to be put in our place is actually exactly what our souls need. So God, we confess that we are not God and that sometimes we try to be something more than what we are, something that only you are. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be great when you are great. 
And so teach us to humble ourselves, to number our days, to pursue faithfulness by your power at work in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.